0: morning, Ooh. well, I didn't expect to see you all this morning, but here I am. So uh, I'm going to give you a quick update on why I'm here instead of Kenya. Um, I got to the airport with the rest of my team, and uh, there was a problem with my visa. It wasn't ready yet, and so even though it would have been ready by the time I got to Nairobi, uh, they wouldn't even let me on the airplane. So um, I had to wait for the next flight out, and that would have been Wednesday, but uh, then Wednesday, the team by Wednesday, the team got there, and when they got there, they encountered uh, the protests that are happening in Kenya, and um, the road was blocked from Nairobi to Kisumu, so they ended up having to fly. They had the uh, our people there in Kenya met them and were able to get them flights and get them to Kisumu safely but um, with the ongoing protests it was determined that because I would be there by myself and wanted to have those connections it wasn't safe for me to come on uh, behind them and if I did I would have to stay in Nairobi uh, for, until the protests were over maybe Saturday and then join the team and it just wouldn't, be, it wouldn't have been uh, worth coming for the potential problems so I came back I spent a couple of days in Fort Worth, fortunately. Charlene's sister and her husband lived there, so they were kind enough to pick me up while we figured everything out. And um, then I flew home Wednesday morning. No, Thursday morning. And uh, so here I am. So I appreciate everybody's prayers and um, support. And uh, the team has, once they got there, things have been fine. I've been watching the updates on... Facebook and they rearranged conferences and things in order to work around it. And uh, they did make it out to the school. Um, we have a school called Seed Power that is affiliated with Little Lighthouse. And um, it's started by a couple of guys that came to Little Lighthouse and did an internship. And then they've started a school in Kenya called uh, Sea power and they went out there and were able to visit and work with the kids. And then they've visited a couple other schools uh, this morning or today. It is uh, 6 p.m. in Kenya right now. And uh, and then on Saturday, they went ahead and did the conference that they had intended to do Friday, and I saw pictures of that, and it did look like it was well-attended. Charlene saw pictures. It looked like they at least had the 300 they were expecting, if not more. And so the next thing will be getting back to Nairobi and then being able to do the conferences that they planned in Nairobi. Um, so I don't know if there's going to be more protests this week or not. And so if you would just continue to pray for the safety of Little lighthouse's team as they make their way back to Nairobi and that they'll be able to uh, keep doing the work that they plan to do. So the protests that are happening in Kenya – are related to the high cost of living and the high taxes that the government has put in place. Um, I saw the price of gas. Uh, It works out to like $5.50 a gallon right now. So it's a little high. And they're wanting to put even more tax on the gasoline and um, more taxes on the people. And they're not, I mean, these are not. 550 would be a lot for us and these people are not making anywhere nearly what we make and um so it's just it's exorbitant and the guy that was that is the president uh was elected on promises of reform and is saying he was one of the people and uh he's not made the changes and has continuing to raise taxes and so people are very upset with him and so that's what the protests are about they're protesting high taxes and um you know high cost of living and gasoline and just corruption in the government, so kind of sounds familiar but um so that's what's going on, and the violence that has happened has not necessarily been from the people it's been from the government response to the protests so um, as far as I can tell so it's not a lot of news like you don't it's not on your nightly news here, but if you go to search for news about Kenya protests. You'll find from sources like AP or BBC or Al Jazeera, you'll find, uh, stories about it. So anyway, keep praying for them. Pray that, uh, God will bring them home safely and, uh, get them back to Nairobi safely. Then we have a second team that's leaving for Rwanda, uh, tomorrow as well. Three people from this, uh, Kenya team will be transitioning to, to Rwanda team. Um, uh, it's odd to say, but the Rwanda team is actually has a lot less problems as far as I can tell. So um, just be praying for all of that. The thing about the Rwanda team is that um, it's a lot more up in the air. We've never been to Rwanda before, and so it's a little um, less settled as far as like, where they're going to be uh, working. We're not going to have the big conferences. We don't have all the contacts we have in Kenya, so this is a little bit of a pioneering situation so anyway be praying for that as well and appreciate all your prayers we have other people traveling this week we got Davey and Edie going to camp you guys excited for that yes got a pack today yep uh, Cass and Randy are going on a trip going to Cancun yep and so that means they're not going to be here next Sunday so we're going to have we're gonna have a video. We'll have something something going on next Sunday besides Randy being up here in the pulpit. And it looks like the Bennetts are going to travel to Sequoia, so we'll be praying for them to have a good trip. Anybody else traveling? All right, It's the season of traveling. so prayers for all the people that are going places. All right, let's pray. Father God, thank you for your care for us and thank you for prayers uh answered and maybe in ways that weren't the ones we were looking for, but I do appreciate your looking out for safety and uh lift up the little lighthouse teams that are working in Africa this week and next and following on. Pray for uh for the work they're doing. Uh, that is uh spreading the information about how to work with special needs, but Lord, everything that little eye house does is to bring glory to you. And I just pray that that will be accomplished. And I pray for their safety as they travel home and for the Rwanda team as they travel there and back. And, um, I just, uh, pray for your hand to be on all of that. Father, I pray for all the travelers this week for Cass and Randy and Davey and Edie and for the Bennett's. And, uh, I just uh, pray for uh, protection for everybody as they travel. Anytime there's things going on traveling, there's unexpected things can happen with airlines and you're putting your, or even just in a car, you're just putting your your hands in someone else. Yeah, I just pray for your favor on all of that. And uh, Father, I pray for the service this morning. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you for... Sending your heavenly hosts to be here with us. And uh, I just pray for our hearts to be opened to your word, to your message, to you, Lord. I ask these things in your son's name. Amen.
1: Finding myself at a loss for words, and the funny thing is, it's okay, the last thing I need.
2: We are looking at how to walk with God in the world. That's the place we all live. You knew that. So what we are bombarded by are ideas that come from the world, come from a different way of viewing life, viewing humanity, viewing what we do, how we do it, and who is uh, ultimately in charge of all of those things. And we are coming at this from uh, a mixture of what we've been exposed to, and that can be our, our families when we're growing up, the the environment we were in, the schools we attended, the friends we had. And then over time, we've added more of those in different layers. And uh, whatever input we've had along the way, if we're walking with the Lord through the years that makes a huge difference and moves us in one direction. If we listen to the world and go after the things of this world, it takes us in another. So walking with God in the world uh, shows up in some pretty sensitive and central <laughs> places of who we are. We've just listened to some songs, sing along with some songs that God knows your name. That's pretty amazing. He knows who you are, he knows where you came from. In fact, Psalms uh were told that God saw you when you were knit together in your mother's womb. That's pretty amazing. So he's known you a long time. He knows every cell, he knows every experience, he knows every word you've spoken, every attitude you've displayed. He knows you. He knows your name and there are voices in your head that tell you you're not enough we sing that and those voices come from all kinds of angles sometimes not just in your head other people come along and those lies are all around and they try to destroy you but then you can come back to the Lord and be reminded of who you really are in him and that is unique uh, that's where you find your identity. There is a uniqueness to being a child of God. It is not the same as every one, everyone else. I was trying to think of some way of describing how that would work. So there's a, um, a movie came out a long time ago called The Right Stuff. It had to do with astronauts, how they were selected, this group. So you kind of watch how that process went. They got test pilots. They put them through all kinds of things, and they arrived at well, these will be our initial astronauts. So so we have a group of astronauts who have who have uh, gone into space. Some to the moon. We have people who are on the International Space Station. Those people are unique. They're not the same as everyone else because they've had a different experience. They've had different training. They've gone through something that that sets them apart. As a follower of the living God, you are also set apart. You are unique. It's a different group. It's not the same. It's not like as a kid you go, I just want to be an astronaut. You know, when they ask you, yeah, I'm going to be an astronaut or a fireman. And no it doesn't come down to everybody can be one Now that's why they had the right stuff they narrowed it down here are the tests Here's... this is how you get to this place and then they have the experience of actually going and experiencing something in space totally different than what we do here now they are uh, qualified to wear the wings of an astronaut and to carry those honors with them forever as a child of God, you, met, you move into a new family. You move into a relationship. You are transformed. You are in connection with the Most High God. And he is looking at your life in, in and in looking for you to live your life in a way different from the world. It's not the same. That's important. Don't lose that. It is not the same. There will be words that are used, words like holy. Holy means distinct, unique, different, set apart. God is holy. He's the only one of his kind. He is the most high. Then he has his children, and he calls us his holy ones. Unique. Not the same as the group on the earth. That's a different. Those are created human beings, and they're important. And he loves them and he wants them to join the family, but they are not, until they join the family, holy ones. They are not children. It's different. So let's look at this. Sexuality and primacy. Sexuality and primacy. You've probably noticed that sex plays a big part in your life. The way you do things, the the way you, you act, the things you talk about, the the way you treat other people, all of it, it's, it's ingrained, and it's part of culture, and different cultures do it differently, and it, and it comes down to this thing, and we have to work through our heads. So what does that mean for me? How does that work? And eh, some, some do better at this than others. But we're going to look at this, uh, uh, well, you're here on a Sunday morning, so you know it's going to be weird. So that's how we're going to do it. Let's start with spiritual sexuality. Spiritual sexuality, 1 Corinthians 7. A lot of 1 Corinthians 7 is dealing with uh, marriage issues, a lot of questions that came and Paul was answering. So that's what he's doing. But this is, I'll, I'll explain it as we go. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations, as husband and wife, unless you both Agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. What has has he told us? That sexual relations in the marriage relationship is important, that it's uh, God's design, God's pleased with it, God encourages it. So I don't know if you got that in your marriage counseling, pre-marriage counseling, but that's part of it. So when do you refrain from sexual intimacy? Forever? No, for a limited time. So you can give yourselves more completely to other activities, business, the kids, gardening, you know, all the things of life. No, to prayer. See the spiritual connection? Prayer. It's about a relationship with God. When you pray, you are having communication with God. That's developing the intimacy, the conversation where you speak and listen and connect with him. What is the sexual relationship? It's a communication, conveying uh, that closeness, and it's communicating to the other person as well. So... You can break away from that for a time in order to have this relationship with God or to focus on that relationship with God without distraction. And I don't want to hear from anybody that sex is not distracting, so just don't lie to me. It is going to be a huge factor in people's lives, and it will determine a direction And and activity and thought life It's going to involve a lot But it's spiritual You saw that So how important is it? We have a great enemy Opposed to everything that God is doing And he wants to destroy Every one of you Every one of God's children He wants to tear down So what might help him do that? We're given a hint Right here So you should come together again so that Satan, when when do you do that? When you're done with this time set aside for prayer, this time set aside for connecting with God, for focusing on that relationship, you come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Huh. So sex is related to a whole spiritual thing? Yeah. Yeah. Related to the relationship with God. Related to how we honor him. And how we avoid the enemy's traps. And yet, huh, how often is this set aside? Because, you know, spiritual stuff, I might even have a quiet time, devotional life, read the Bible. That's over there. Sex is something over here. Not to be confused with that. Yeah, Satan likes it like that. He likes to have those categories separated instead of saying this is God's plan. He's the one who designed it. He's the one who came up with this thing, and he doesn't like the lies. So God wants to tell you how this works, and this is it. It's a spiritual reality that connects a a man and a woman together in a way that honors him. That's where we're supposed to be going with this. So here's the primacy. The primacy is God over sex. I know most of the time it's sex over God, but I'm just telling you, biblically, this is the way it works. This is the relationship with him. It's God, then sex. Is it separate? Is it like a whole different thing you work on on the side? Ought not be. Is that how Christians do it? Far too often. It's considered a whole different realm dealt with over here and leads to all kinds of problems as a result because Satan, as we just saw, is in the middle of it and he wants to take everybody down. And however he can do that, destroy, divide, cause confusion, that's what he's going to do. God over sex. that's the primacy. He is supreme He is the one who made us in the first place. So we need to be reminded of who we are in him. And in the song we sang, you say just a little bit ago, it's in him that we find our identity. It's in him we find our identity. It's in him we find out who we are. We find out who we are as uh, sexual beings. There are are no non-sexual beings, just who we are as sexual beings. So how does that work? Well, as Christ followers, this is also from 1 Corinthians 7, there is still this connection to this new life, this uh, being set aside, being unique, set apart for who God is and what he's doing. So for the Christian wife, brings holiness to her marriage. Hmm. A Christian husband brings holiness to his marriage. That's important because together it's them that provides the holiness for the children. Provides a whole uniqueness, a whole different way of living, a whole way, different way of looking at life, of containing uh, the body, the activities of the body, the way we think, the way we are engaged in the world. And because... You know, the children are holy. It, it, it's setting up something that is going on. We've talked about before. There are entities, uh, dark entities, who just want to destroy uh, God's work, God's world, God's people. They are observing. They are looking at what's unfolding in the world. And they are observing how well we do relationships. How well we do sex. You may think, oh, that's just weird. Yeah. We ain't done yet. They're observing. They take notes, just like God's agents, the angels who are taking notes, and say, hey, look at those guys. That is awesome. The other side's going, man, we need them on our team. And so they find a way to do it. And just think, how many times have they won? And you go, wow, this is just... Ah, uh, amazing. And yet God is saying, here, here you go. The wife is bringing holiness to the marriage. The husband is bringing holiness to the marriage. It's both. They're bringing a uniqueness as a child of God into this relationship which affects the children of that relationship, that family who is now observed not only in the human world, in the spiritual world as well. And all of that is being uh, tracked You can win people to Christ by doing it right. You can live in such a way that your home is filled with peace and love and joy. Or not. Or not. What do we do with this? This matters. God will judge marriage, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, marriage must be respected by all. And the marriage bed kept undefiled because God will judge immoral people and adulterers. God will judge immoral people and adulterers. This is written to people who are God's children, who are in the church, who are holy ones and he's saying this this matters this marriage bed because it honors god or dishonors god depending on how we handle this must be undefiled so he's judging that because god is everywhere present he knows he can keep an eye on things he's also got his angels taking notes so we've got that as well he has a plan to change things. But in the end, as as things begin to change, uh, as we wrap up the uh, life on earth, there is, um, well, here's just from Revelation chapter 21, all things new. He is working on this, um, working on the world, working on getting his family together during this time. He says... In 21, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. To all who are victorious, they will inherit all these blessings. And I will be their God, and they will be my children. That's the positive thing. It's all things new. It is a whole change when, when the Lord comes back. But listen, but cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. So there's a whole new beginning for those who are God's people, who are part of his family and he's going to give freely from the springs of the water of life and all the blessings that come with that. On the other hand, there are those who are so influenced by the culture, by the people, by the opinions of people, all cowards, unbelievers. Well, I'd rather trust my friends than my God, so I think I will listen to them. About what? Pretty much everything. The next line uh, the corrupt. I can't think clearly. I can't think rightly. I can't think cleanly. My mind goes to the corruption. And those words come to mind. Those situations come to mind. Those reaching out, getting my way, revenge, all of it comes to mind. Murderers, the immoral. And that's the whole list comes next. Those who practice witchcraft, the word is pharmakeia, because there were drugs used in the witchcraft and the practice of uh, listening to demons or uh, influencing people, and that still goes on. Idol worshipers, those who are turning to other gods, you can see this whole spiritual thing in here, and all liars. Their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. He wants us to come to him and, and have this relationship with him, but we can get pulled away. And, the, and these are the people who have said, you know, all that other is uh is so much more important. Listening to all of those other voices is so much more important. That cultural thing, that pressure I feel, how how the news media uh says these things are rather than finding out from the god of heaven who created all things i'm gonna to listen to them and, and go their way he says that that leads to death but those who are thirsty come to him it's new life it's a whole new way a whole way a whole new way of living all things new Let's go back to the beginning. You get a little bit of the story that goes with this. Back to the beginning. There was a uh, uh, longing in God's heart for people. So he decided to build a world for people. He already had a spiritual world, uh, the heavens. I mean, that, that's a whole different thing that's going on. And he has beings, and there's, he has family there as well. But he just came to mind. He decided to do this world and people it, so he makes the people. So we we have this uh, opportunity to come together as as uh, human beings made in the image of God, and he he's going to uh, give us work and purpose and give us all that we need to accomplish. the the things that he has for us and and this is set up in a paradise uh, and and it provides a paradise a a garden of Eden to say here's a model of what you can do I'm going to make you so you can go take care of birds of the air and the fish of the sea and uh, critters and crawling things and the plants just go out there go plant some stuff fix it make it nice make it like the garden and he's with them. So that's, that's kind of a nice beginning. So let's see. First, folks. Genesis 127. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So you know that part of the story. Made in God's image. So now these are imagers. Reflecting his, his way of doing things, reflecting his, his intelligence, creativity, uh, working, desiring purpose, the possibility of, of loving one another, connecting, all of that. And God says, very good. Very good. Not just okay, this is very good. That's his opinion of this whole thing. Then the enemies of God decide to go a different direction. Spiritual enemies in the heavens to start, and then they influence Adam and Eve, and things start to take a turn. So here's some rebellions against God. Rebellions against God. Ambition, disobedience by Adam and Eve. They decide that they want to be like God. He made you in His image. No, they want to know and have the power and do all the stuff uh, that God can do and they've been sold that bill of goods by you know serpent who is still selling goods along those lines so there's disobedience by Adam and Eve that leads to the death of the human race it, it, it brings them out of the garden of Eden now they are separated from paradise They're, they are separated from the intimacy with God that they had he would come and walk with them there in the garden, but no, now we've got a whole breakdown that's that's happening in that relationship, and now we're going to have to see what happens after that. So we have ambition, we have assassination, Cain kills his brother Abel. So chapter 3 is the ambition, the disobedience by Adam and Eve, assassination is chapter 4 of Genesis so we go straight from here's, here's a couple that's going to start the human race, and then we have somebody already killing somebody, a human, who is an image bearer made in the image of God. The king kills his brother, so the assassination has taken place, and the breakdown is, is, is spreading. There's a transgression. Divine beings disregard the orders. Uh, and, and who belongs where, and they decide they need to have sex with human women. They decide, wouldn't that be a good thing? So they take on some human form, and they have sex with human women. These these beings from the heavens who have rebelled against God stepped out of the their order in order to do that. So they have transgressed. They have crossed the line, and when you read that part, In Genesis 6, you're going to find that God has just disgusted disgusted the people, keep turning against them. Now we've got these uh, rebel divine beings who have also entered entered into this. Their children are uh, called giants because they are somewhat different. Nephilim, if if you're reading the Hebrew side of that, they are uh, unusually... uh, powerful and so we find them later in in stories of gods and and demigods and in the literature roman greek egyptian wherever you want to go it's around the world because that's what showed up as a result and god says it's just turned bad the whole thing has turned bad i'm going to have to kill them all so that's how noah and his family wound up on a boat and the rest of the world had to be destroyed because this thing had just taken a huge turn. That's the transgression. After the flood and the families of the earth are beginning to it's repopulating, there are more people, there's a demonstration. And so the people united together in Babel, and they decided, well, Let's just build a tower. We will reach to God. We will control God. We're going to build something so high, and then we're going to make him do what we want him to do. So the people united to control God. God says, no, that's not how this works. Divided the languages. The people couldn't understand each other, so they split and went to the world. As a result of that, there are all people everywhere with lots of languages going on. And we have uh, angelic beings assigned. It's in Deuteronomy 32 that that there are uh, uh, divine beings assigned to the human beings who are now split and go into various places, different nations around the world. And those divine beings have responsibility to guide them, to point them in the way of justice, to point them to God. And ah, division. The heavenly guides were to help the nations, but rebelled against God. So those those small g-gods, how we find them in mythology and history, have... Responsibility for the nations and the people and to take care of them and they go a different direction so now we have wars and rumors of wars and people at each other and they they don't uphold justice and God comes after them and if you read Psalm 82 it says that he's going to kill them but that doesn't happen until Jesus comes back so we got time he ties or he he chains a bunch of them up in Tartarus but that's some uh, another group in there too but the heavenly guides were to help the nations, and they rebelled against God. So now we got a huge problem going on all around the world. We got divine beings. We got human beings. We have a battle between God and and those who have rebelled against Him. We got a lot going on. Those uh, those rebellions are creating uh, the mess that we see the world in and and we are uh, as children of God supposed to be the ones who counter that, who live a different way, who look at the world from God's perspective living out His truth in a way that challenges the, the evil that has entered into the world. And we can do that or we can just yell at the darkness and complain that it's not like it was when I growed up. We can have all kinds of things that are crossing our mind, but what God has said is, be holy as I'm holy. Think the way He thinks. Do the things that He set us up to do. Accomplish the things that He's made us for. He knew us in our mother's womb. He knows our name. He knows what we are. He knows what we ought to be when we're not listening to the lies not being influenced by the other side the rebels and not going with them not supporting what they are what they are about and what they are what they are doing so we have rebellions and that leads to things worldwide individual national or national it's high and low and it it Invades everything that we are as human beings, including our sexuality. So, what's the problem? How does God look at some of that? Let's look at some reflections and rebellions, or the next one up there. Got it? We have a breakdown in these relationships. So this is divine and human sex. So we've heard about the divine beings who saw the human women, and they changed form, and then they created this whole other line of critters, the Nephilim name. Excuse me. So we got a, we got a beginning. But there's a crossover. They have left their place, the order of things. They have crossed over. They have transgressed. And they should, ought not. So then we begin to get uh, God outlines some things. So that's a huge rebellion that affects us and the world around us. There's more. So He begins to give uh, instructions in Exodus 20, and this is Mount Sinai and the giving of the law. So He begins there and He explains this, and also picks it up again in Deuteronomy. What are the people of Israel to do? They are God's people. They are sent here. They are set aside for a mission. They are to represent God on earth. What does it look like when you have Him as central and you listen to Him and you do what He says? Well, if the army comes after you, He opens up a sea and He lets you walk across, and He takes out the army. That gives you an idea of what He's capable of. Yeah, there's a good. yeah, Yeah, that's good. He takes care of them. He He's saying, you are not like everyone else. This is what the Most High God can do compared to all those other gods that are out there. Crossing over these boundaries is part of the issue. So this is part of where the, uh, the rebellions will show up. And you read this in Scripture and you go, well, okay, that's weird. I remember reading this. There are prohibitions against having sex with animals. I thought, that is a weird thing to put in the Bible. Who would think of that? They did. People do. They go, huh. That is so out there. Is it? But it's that crossing over. It's that transgression. It's that Okay, you are supposed to be here. Now it's out of order, and we're going to cross the heavenly beings, the divine beings, and the human beings. Oh, let's do this. We'll do the animals and the human beings. So now we're crossing over again. Prohibition, no, that's not how it's supposed to be because we don't want this um, to be acceptable behavior. You are supposed to be children of God, living uprightly, thinking correctly, thinking his way, being holy on the earth, bringing holiness into your marriage, bringing holiness into sexuality. So don't do that, okay? You can't do much about the divine beings coming because that's a different category. But animals, yeah. What about forced sex? There are rapes, there are... In battle, this happens all the time. It's happened to the Ukrainians as the Russian army has come in. This is like stuff people just do to each other. And date rapes and all, it's all over. Huh. So is force supposed to be part of this? No, it's supposed to honor God because it is love. It's supposed to be between a husband and wife. We step outside of that, and we start getting into things like this. And, and it, then the people who are participating in this think, yeah, it's just fine. That's human trafficking. Gone crazy. Jeffrey Epstein, we've had that one. It's stuff, this stuff is all over the place. But what are the children of God supposed to do? Not support it, not be involved in it, live in such a way that those who do get caught in some of these things have someone to turn to. Someone, if it's the victim, they need compassion and help and direction towards the living God. If it's the perpetrator, they need to be corrected, maybe justice in some great form that would work for that. And they also need to know there's a God in heaven, and you've got to change this way of thinking Way of behaving. Turn those things around. There's same sex sex. Scripture is clear. Don't do that. Huh. Well, in our culture, that's totally acceptable. Yeah, but we just covered, God said it was uh, uh, His place to determine, since He's the one who made us. It's God over sex. Not sex over God, sexuality culture does not define the individual. Does not define God saw us as He made us, male or female, in our mother's womb. Did He get confused? Not at any point. So what is happening? It's a crossing over. It's a transgression. It's uh, I'm going to be this kind. I don't care what you say. I'm going to do this, and it's legitimate, and it ought to be highly um, regarded. And God's saying, no. I told you I don't want the divine beings coming down here, taking advantage of the women. I don't want any forced sex. I don't want animal sex, and I don't want any same sex. Here's the deal. I made you male and female. You can have that relationship in a marriage, not randomly, in a marriage and it will be holy and it will honor the living God and it will let those beings know this works this is what works letting them know that God is all that that he offers us something remarkable, life changing good wonderful and it changes a family we read that The the wife brings holiness, the husband brings holiness, the children are covered in that holiness. They're set apart, they're protected. God is going to be involved in that process. But we can take it in a different direction. Sex outside of marriage, breaking the covenant, going outside of what was already set up. So these categories matter. And all of those things are included in Scripture. They've been since the beginning. These aren't new it just continued through and he said I've got something there's a battle going on there have been these rebellions if you want the better life then you come to the living God and you live life his way you do your definition of who you are by what he says in you I find my identity not out there not the culture not what some somebody on YouTube says but from the living God who created in the first place and who has made this so that it works wonderfully. So he's the one. We're dealing with the rebels, all kinds, sometimes in our own hearts, but we have to work with listening to the living God and going his way because he knows, and he knows what the end of this is. Remember, we read Revelation. Those who choose to rebel to the end, there is a second death, and he is warning us off that, by keeping us focused on who He is. And then we come to Him, and we, have, and we live uprightly for Him. There's a question sometimes, well, you know, there's really, is just kind of blended. You know, men and women are, are the same, not from God's perspective. So, honoring God and each other, from Deuteronomy 22, a woman must not put on men's clothing and a man must not wear women's clothing. Anyone who does this is detestable in the sight of the Lord your God. So what's the problem? Does that mean women can't wear jeans? No, different cultures have different clothing things. That's not, that's not the point. The thing is, becoming that other by by disregarding what God has honored a person with, the way they were designed, His intent in making a person male or female that maleness or femaleness honors god lived out properly everything lived out in that relationship with god that relationship is is going to shine through and it will reflect on the way we do things the things that we value the priorities that we have there's a lot of other scripture And that's why we have these slides and I have notes so I don't go running around getting them all for you. Okay, so we've got lots of scripture that the Lord has said, this is the direction I want to take my people, male and female, marriage, sexuality, which he says is very good, very good, used properly, apart from the rebellion. Uh, and, and where we listen to him. So it's God above sex. It's not, oh, I get all my sex information from the culture, from whatever I think in my head, w- whatever my buddies tell me. Go, no. No, I get it from him. The one who created all this in the first place. The one who has so much more in store for us than we can imagine. That one, I want to go to him. I want to know what he has to say. Even that the, the uh, confusion... That can happen from, from uh, just the clothing thing that he's, he's pointing out. The intent of, of that rebellion is to diminish uh, the design that God has given someone. And so he is pointing us in a, in a direction that says, Just you know, honor me by, by doing this. Let me honor you. Because we read in Revelation, I'm, this is where you get the blessings. I want to bring these things to you. You are uh, holy in marriage when you come together with that holiness. He's going to bring other access to the things that he provides, like through the Holy Spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. Anybody just fed up with kindness and gentleness? And boy, I'd sure like to get rid of that peace in my house. That sucks. And yet we do. He's saying, I have something for you that takes you far beyond all that. Just come my way. How do we show those rebellious divine beings that God's way works? By being obedient and doing it. They're watching. How do we prove to the angels that the rebellious ones are in charge? We don't listen to God. We go... The way of the culture, we go the way that our flesh tells us, whatever our lusts lead us into. And he said, I've got something better for you. God's got something better. Come my way. Living God's way. 1 Thessalonians 4 3. We have to refocus. God's will is for you to be holy. All right, got it. Holy. There's a comma. So, Stay away from all sexual sin. Well, bummer. God's will for you. There are seminars and workshops and books written on how to find God's will. And people, I just want to know what God's will is for me. I just read it. I just read it. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, this isn't the only one, but there's, this one's pretty clear. Stay away from all sexual sin. Don't violate those categories and focus on building the one that he set aside and says, that's holy. Keep it undefiled. Work on that, that relationship, relationship with him, relationship with each other in a hus- husband and wife situ- situation, and then all the rest of it. It's part of the rebellion. So we got to have to keep, keep an eye on, on that. So stay away. Holy living, God's way, not the cultures. Not the cultures. 1 Thessalonians again. These are the next two verses. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God, and his ways so you stay away from all sexual sin you're going to be holy like God uh, each of you will control his own body live in holiness and honor see that uniqueness that set aside part that that honoring God honoring his truth that's what's wrapped up in this Not in lustful passion like the pagans. Who are the pagans? Those are the ones who are worshiping the other gods and acting out. And much of their worship is built around sexual activity in in these days. But they don't know the one true God. They don't know the most high God. Not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God and his ways. So this is bringing it all back to this relationship with him. He is the primary source of sex sex and sexuality. He is the one who tells us who we are. That's how we find out our identity in him, not the culture, not any of the popular books or YouTube people. It's him, him. sexuality and the primacy of god god and his ways are primary he's the creator he set this thing in motion he knows who you are he knows your name he knows how he's designed you and he knows where you can go what the possibilities are that exist in you and for you choose him god and his ways are primary god rewards those who trust and obey He rewards those who trust and obey. He's going to bring those blessings. He's going to bring that uh, style of of, uh, life into the home. And the relationships take off in a different direction. The communication moves to a different level. The intimacy becomes very real and meaningful. God rewards those who trust and obey. The Spirit's fruit includes self-control there's love joy peace patience kindness gentleness faithfulness and self-control so self-control is part of this uh, activated holy spirit in our lives so when we're listening to God allowing him to work in us he is bringing all of these other blessings and self-control is part of that we don't have to be driven by the lust like those who following other gods or just deny the most high altogether like the, those in rebellion, we don't have to do that. We're listening to the Holy Spirit, and he's going to provide a way for us to practice the very things that he's asked, that he told us to do. So we honor him, and, and we set things right. Where all these rebellions have torn things away and is destroying the world, we can set it right. Maybe only in our own small way, but it's something. Enough of us do it, that's going to upset the uh, powers of darkness. So I say, let's do that. Darkness has shown the light. And that can be darkness. That can be the beings who are uh, in rebellion, the evil beings in rebellion. Uh, the darkness may be those who don't, who don't know God, those are in our family, those in, uh, of our friends or those that we run into who are just operating out of the darkness. And we do it right. They are shown the light. They may hate it. They may really just think that's awful. There, there's a group, uh, the Fulani uh, tribesmen in Nigeria, they happen to follow a different god, so the Christians there really aggravate them. So they're killing them. The Christians have farms that are taking off and working, and they, they're building up, you know, they have their land, and and they've been nice enough on occasion to allow these uh, herders they are often... These guys are are herding animals, and they will allow them to use their land for their critters. Well, that's not enough, because they're Christians. Darkness does not like the light. So there's a huge, and the army, Nigerian police, Nigerian army doesn't step in. Because darkness hates the light. They are being killed. Their places are being taken over by this other group, and you go, "Huh, that doesn't seem nice." No, they are faithful to the Lord. So uh, there's some things the Lord says about that and the kind of rewards that people who are faithful to Him get. So they're not going to complain. These these folks are sacrificing, being sacrificed in, in the name of the Lord, but they. If you ask them, they'd say, I'd do it again. They are faithful. What I'm trying to point out is there is darkness in this world. If you live uprightly, if you do the things God says, you will be made fun of, you'll be put down, you'll be, well, that's just ignorant, you know, follow the science. You'll hear it all. And God in the heavens is saying, thank you for following me. Thank you for being holy. Thank you for listening to my truth. Thank you for trusting me and obeying and let me pour out my blessings on you and bring it to your home. I just want to bring it to you. It's him. It's God over sex. It's God over sex in, the, in us as individuals. It's God over sex in the culture. It's him. And that whole sex thing got bent long ago and twisted up with divine beings in that first big story and it has not let up yet remember they're they not dead yet they're going to get it it's just not yet so we need to do our part live uprightly, be holy as he's told us to be holy to accomplish these things to, to uh, do it in the face of those rebels the divine ones who are Uh, those divine beings who are unseen. But we also need the angels to see, you know, we really do love the Lord. We need them to see that. And then our neighbors, people in our family, people around us in this world. Because some of them might find out there is a God in heaven who cares about them and has something for them, something better for them, not only in this life, but in the one to come. Let's pray. Father, thank you for not giving up on us. You made it very good in the beginning, and it will be even better later. I pray that you would help us now to listen, to open our ears and eyes and hearts and minds to you, that we not be so subjugated by the culture and by the weakness of our flesh, that we would listen to you The one true almighty God who has our best interest in the center of your heart. You desire the very best for us. You want us to be part of your family and you want us to experience your incredible blessings. Lord, I pray that you would just open the doors of heaven and pour them out as we trust and obey as we look to you. If anybody here is struggling with these things, with sexual sin, right here, right now, I pray, Lord, that they would open up their hearts to you. Admit it. Confess it. Turn from it. And, Lord, walk your way and enjoy those blessings that only you can bring. Help us, Lord, be light in a dark world. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
1: Children singing out We will not be overtaken
2: joyful grow to maturity encourage each other live in harmony and peace then the God of love and peace will be with you may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all amen